I'm Ron Algarwad, and this is More Bits. This one's a chat with my friend Terry, better known as Tidro, recorded in November of 2011. After doing two episodes on the subject of getting things done, Tidro asked if I wouldn't mind discussing the old standby, where do you get your ideas? I think the actual word she used was inspiration. Eh, tomato, tomato. So we talked about that. And here is us talking about that. I, I never know whether I should say yes, hi, hello in these in these bonus things and these in these extra shows. It, it doesn't feel like a yes, hi, hello. It feels like something a little more. I was going to say intimate, but I have a lady here, and that feels inappropriate somehow. So, but uh, my pal Tedro is here with us today. So, say hello to the fine folks, Tedro. Hello, fine folks. <laughs> um, so I did I did a couple of those shows on. Um, Getting stuff done on motivation, whatever you want to call it. And Tidro said, uh, you know, in the back of the class, stuck up her hand and said, wait a minute, what about inspiration? And I said, I don't know what about it. And she's like, well, why don't you talk about that? Um, so that's why you're here, because I, um, I have no idea. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember anymore. I've just started doing things to the point where I don't remember inspiration anymore. I just work. It's a job I show up to do. See, I think you're just in a constant state of inspiration, so you're not realizing that it's happening, but it's still happening. It's possible, and I, this isn't even to, to put down necessarily what I'm doing. I think I'm doing pretty okay stuff, but it's just, I don't, I, I don't have time to sit and think about, well, what's, what idea can I work on now? And I think, I, from what I see of you, you're the same way. I mean, you're approaching this from a, from a crafting standpoint, from someone who, who, you know, makes things, physical things, so we're a little different, but I think, I think there's a lot of overlap here. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely agree on that. Well, let's, but, I yeah. mean, the, the listeners are probably well acquainted with you, but just in case they're not, let's let's talk about what, what you do exactly. Okay. Um, I make things. Uh, the main things I make are glycerin soaps. Um, a lot of them look like food or <laughs> are inspired by pop culture uh, because I'm a big nerd. Uh, I also make... Uh, miniature top hats for um, apparently girls who are out on the town or steampunk people. I, I was going to ask, I was really curious where you were going with that. It's miniature top hats for, yes, what are they for? They're, they <laughs> for pulling cute. tiny rabbits out. They're just, they just look cute. There's really no purpose to them. They're, they're totally decadent. Well, I listen, there's no purpose to a podcast either. I mean, I, you know. I'm That's not going to pretend entered. that what I make is any... Well, yeah, but yours is entertainment as well. Like, <laughs> Yes, it's it's for all the people who laugh at the people who wear tiny tops. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm not going to pretend that what I make is any more important than what you make. I'm just genuinely yeah. curious about the top hats. I, I don't really know who wears them. Yeah, uh, mostly girls. Okay. Um, or very and tiny, cosplay. They're also cosplay Very people. tiny gentlemen, I imagine, wear them. Yes. And also I make horns um, yes. out of clay. Are, are you still doing that, or is that just a Halloween thing? Uh, I thought it was going to stop at Halloween, but I've had two special requests for horns since nice. Halloween. Well, for, now you're in the horn business. Apparently. Uh, cosplay people um, have been contacting me saying, can you make horns that look like this character? And I say either yes or no, depending on whether I can do them or not. Right. So. No, and, and it seems like you've you've discovered a whole cottage industry of, of you know, people you can exploit. I mean, sell things to. <laughs> I have to tell you, there's 
uh, one of our Twitter friends who likes specific things. And I know mm-hmm. if I make um, a thing with either of these specific things attached to it, I am pretty mm-hmm. sure she will buy it. Well, now I'm going to try to... Like, I know you're trying to be savvy there, but now I'm trying to guess who that might be. Well, I don't want her to know that I'm marketing directly towards her, but she oh, may no, have I, guessed. I, believe me, I think there's a, there's a certain measure of pandering, you know, in, in the nicest possible way. Oh, yeah. Let's say oh, yeah. knowing your audience, targeting your demographic. Exactly. Uh, pandering. Exactly. Um, in, in making things. There are certain things we do for the show that I know, okay, well, you know... I said Galiza. Now Tidro's going to get hearts in her eyes. So uh, that generally happens. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we all have those switches. So that's you know that's not that unusual. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you said you wanted to discuss inspiration. And, and yes. I, like I said, I'm not trying to be obtuse here. I just I, it's a subject I haven't thought about in so long because I haven't really put, stuck my head up to think about it. And so I'm kind of wondering if you can maybe lead me along a little. Well, I don't know if I'm exactly the correct person to talk about inspiration because I know you have you have a lot of other friends that have come up with really good ideas on a consistent basis. But but I know that I do I do come up with ideas. So Here's the thing, I have a lot of friends who come up with ideas. I would say and I say this out of tremendous love and respect for all the people I consider friends, I don't have a lot of friends who do anything with those ideas. Okay. And I think this is just reflective of people in general. I don't think it's just our crowd. I think it's everyone. I think there are people who think of stuff and there are people who do stuff and there's not a lot of overlap there, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess so. But I, uh, I think of the people I know who do things, I think you are one of the few people who does things on a consistent basis and actually is a good person to discuss this with. So I think you're wrong there. Okay. Well, I know I do do think I get ideas and then I generally act on them. So Right. Um, one of the things I was discussing, I think with, um, Rob is beef. Um, mm-hmm. he was saying he was having difficulty getting motivated and I said, well, just, you don't have to do anything. If you just write down a list of all your projects, then you have a list of right. all your projects. And then when you're motivated again, you can do them. See, I think people are different. I, I personally, if I make a list, I start getting, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I start getting a little tense. It's like, oh God, I have all this stuff I have to do. And then, I, then my whole drive is to make that list go away. But some people are just like, yep, that's a list. Like nobody, you know, not everyone gets list anxiety. I um, used to get major list anxiety, but I've sort of, um, sort of flipped how I think of a list now. Um, which is a list is now a thing. It's a, it's, it's, it's something that's no longer in my head. So I don't have to worry about it. It's on a piece of paper somewhere so that when I have time to do it, I can do it. Um, I no longer have to think about it. And I could see that. Yeah. Like I, I still have daily lists of stuff I have to do, but if it's a, if it's a, sure. if it's a list of like projects that I want to do eventually, then it goes on mm. the project. It's it's like the long-term project list. Right. It's different than your daily list, which is like um, laundry. Right. <laughs> and then... See, know. I don't know. I, I like to get myself to a point where, I mean, you know, laundry. I'm, I'm 37 years old. Hopefully, I don't need to write down that I need to do laundry at this point. Hopefully, I just know that a pile of dirty clothes equals laundry. But I understand what you mean. I have a very good laundry system. However, um, why would I want to do laundry when I can be making a plush galiza? <laughs> well, yes. Well done, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That thing is fantastic. Thank combining, you. and I don't know if it's actually made of this, but I don't care. I'm going to go with this anyway. You're combining two of the great things about our show, Galiza and Felt. A lot of it is made of felt. 
Awesome. The actual body is made of cotton because I thought it would stand up a little better. But his, you know, tongue and, and scales and toenails and things are all felt. Sure. He's, um, he's felt-centric. But <laughs> Well, that's the important thing, felt-based. Yes. He's a felt-based life form. Yes. Um, but but I, I was saying that laundry thing, not just to be snarky, but really as a – there are certain things that I just know have to be done. And a list just kind of makes me – anxious about them like i know like we've fallen into a pattern with our shows i know this you know this show comes out every two weeks in one form and every alternate two weeks in a different form and i know post-atomic horror comes out weekly you know what i mean like my the things that i have i know i don't need to write them on a list because i know like they're they just have to be done that's what i was saying about laundry like i know dirty clothes means um laundry uh, uh i have to write the things i don't want to do on a list the things I do want that to do sense. don't have to get written down because I really enjoy – if I start making soap um, mm -hmm. and I start at like 9 o'clock in the morning, I will go until 9 o'clock at night and no one – I don't have to write down what I'm going to make. I just start making stuff. Right. Unless I have a special order, in which case I make a note of that so that I get it done. But in general, the stuff that goes on lists, daily lists, is the crap I don't want to do. <laughs> so it's almost like – not even to remind yourself so much as to maybe create a little bit of that anxiety just to push you to do it. it I guess that could be that could be it. But you know, I but, I have so many ideas that I want to do, and laundry doesn't help me get there. Well, no, I, 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 again, I'm using laundry as a as an example, but there are things that need to be done, and they're not always chores. Sometimes, like I say, I I generally enjoy doing our shows as an example. Yeah. I just know they always have to be done on these times, on these dates. I have to have it edited by this point. I have to have all the stuff written by this point. And it's just kind of, I've fallen into the routine of, I don't need to write it on a list because I know now is the time. Yeah. You know? That makes sense for some people. <laughs> but I, and I, I guess, I guess if you're not doing stuff on a schedule exactly either, you don't, you know, replenish your soap stores on the, tenth of every month or something you know i mean no it's much more freewheeling i just order things when right. i need it so I, I don't and i don't also i don't have a partner so i'm not counting i don't have to schedule things with other people right i work much better that, on my own i see i do but i think the quality of what i do works better with people like collaborating creates better stuff for me and i don't know that that would work for you because you're crafting a lot of stuff that more hands would just get in the way probably Yes, and also I'm extremely um, anal about my work product. <laughs> I, I don't well, like to let other people touch what I'm making. That's why it's fun to boss people around. Uh, I'm not good at when that. When you're that kind of personality type, it means you, you, you know, now you're a perfectionist. Now you're a good leader. Yeah, but I'm a horrible leader because I hate to delegate. Oh, I'm working yeah, on it. I'm working on it in my, you know, in my day job to learn how to delegate. But in general, I would rather just do it myself and have it be perfect than yeah. give it to somebody else. It's terrible. That's, that's a huge character flaw. But uh, on the other hand, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've been we've been talking around this whole, you know, getting things done thing for a while now. This is the third show and there may be more. I don't know. I, this is just a subject that endlessly fascinates me. And I don't think... I don't think it's a character flaw necessarily because I, I talked about this a bit with Irene. I think you're learning to use your personality traits, call them flaws or quirks or whatever you want, but you're learning to use them to your advantage. You know the way you're wired and you're making that work for you. That's true. 
And I think I think there's something to be said for that with with creative people in particular. Creative people, and I, you totally correct me or stay silent or whatever you like about this. Most creative people have serious emotional problems. That's just my experience. <laughs> yes, the line between genius and insanity is extremely thin. But see, genius is on the far end of the scale. I don't think most of us, you know, I, I, I include myself here. I'm not just trying to insult you. I don't think most of us are geniuses. I think most of us are high-functioning, mentally ill people. <laughs> but, but no, I, I think there is something to that. And I think when you're, when you're not quite a genius, but you're still working with, you know, making things, you're, you're just further down the scale, but it's still the same principle. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. And I, I, and, but what I, but my point is, and again, we talked about this before is using that using, if you want to call it mental illness, if you want to call it, this is just my personality, the way I am, whatever, but using that to your advantage and saying, you know what, I, I can only get things done if I write them on a list. Therefore I have to be obsessive about this and write it on a list or whatever. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the most successful creative people have learned to use just what they were born with and, you know, make it work for them. Yeah. Well, I'm bipolar. I'm pretty mildly bipolar compared to some people, but I still know <coughs> I still know that when I'm sort of in an up mood, I better get stuff done because eventually I will have like a week or two where I won't feel like doing anything. So I have to yes. I have to I have to do it when I have the energy and motivation to do it. When when you're when you're suddenly out of that hole and you can see daylight, you just want to do everything you possibly can because you know eventually you're going back down in the hole again. Exactly. Exactly. That's the, absolutely. And I, I would add to that, and I don't know if, if this is true with you. Um, I've now recognized, I, I, I am bipolar as well. I've admitted this before. Um, in those down cycles, I've recognized certain things that I can still get done and not feel like I'm doing nothing. Like I sort of save the tedious, you know, repetitive tasks that don't require any inspiration for those downtimes. Yes. You can just put things on a list for when you um, have the motivation to actually do them. And in the meantime, you can um, do your laundry. Exactly. Um, but, and, and while it's good to talk about this stuff and while I, I sort of endlessly fascinated by all this, the, the real reason you wanted to come here was to talk about inspiration. And I know you had, you had sort of uh, taken down a few thoughts about that. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say on, on that topic. Okay. Well, I know that a lot of people um, ask creative people where they get their ideas. This is like a constant Yeah, I thing. hate that question so much. Where do you get your ideas? So I have some, I, I listed some sort of types of things that inspire me. Okay. Oh, so the the first kind of inspiration, which is, is uh, something that happens on a daily basis, is the stealing type of inspiration. <laughs> oh, yes. Where, where you see an idea and you decide that um, instead of paying money to get that thing, you can just make it yourself. Um, See, I I think there's that. I think there's sometimes you look at something and say, I could do that better or I could do it differently. I could put my stamp on that. Yes, I can improve it and make it personalized. Yeah, not even necessarily improving. I mean, there is improving, but there's also, you know, I can, I can make this my own. Like you say, personalized. Um, when we took a, a little bit of time off from Sarcastic Voyage and we were trying to, you know, retool the show and think about what we were doing, I listened to a lot of different kinds of comedy and different shows and different audio things to figure out what, you know, what would work for us. And I found something 
And I, I basically just started stealing. I mean, I, we write our own material, but I said, you know what? This works for that show, so uh, we're going to do that. I, don't, I, I think you're less stealing than being inspired by something to take a basic idea and go forward with that. Um, well, and the thing is, I'm, and I'm not the first, <laughs> ironically, I'm not the first person to say this. All, you know, all creativity in some manner is theft. Like, you know, I don't think anyone has really, you know, had a, a, an idea, certainly in the last, I don't know, 100 years or something, that isn't just, you know, on the backs of someone else, like on the shoulders of giants, on, you know, like you're always building on someone else's work. So there's always going to be some measure of theft or whatever you want to call it there. Exactly. And there's sometimes you um, have an idea and you think it's completely your own and then you find out that, oh, that came from a movie you saw five years ago. Or you you uh, independently came up with an idea that someone else came up with and you, you weren't even deliberately cribbing it. That that happens sometimes, too. Oh, yeah, that happened to me um, with yeah. uh, with a lot of things. And when, so when somebody comes up with like the exact same idea to make a soap that I just came up with the idea to make that soap i get mad <laughs> and it's like, yeah i should have figured that out first or something i don't know but no i i definitely and you know in in the days in the dark days before you know the internet was at our fingertips uh, before you could google something and say oh well i guess 10 people already did this you it, know it was it was much easier to to cover the same ground but now if I come up with something that I think is super original, I always Google it first, just just to make sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I also have like sort of rules for when I steal something. If I if I steal an idea from something, I don't I don't sell it. So, like uh -huh. if I see a necklace that I really like the design of, I will make one for myself or I will make mm -hmm. one for a friend, but I don't try to make money off of it. And that's just like a personal little weird moral thing I have. No, I, I completely understand that. Um, and for me, uh, you know, doing comedy, I really try very hard. If I'm using a joke that I did not write, I try to attribute people, sometimes to the point of ridiculousness. People have called me out. Why do you have to, you know, really kind of interrupts the flow every time you stop and give, you know, give your sources. But it just I'm so worried that I'm going to be perceived as, as a thief. I don't want to I don't want to be that guy. You know, you don't want to be noted joke thief Algar. <laughs> exactly. I don't want anyone to note that. I want to do it and get away with it, but I don't want people to note it. <laughs> okay. So then the other kind of, um, the next kind of inspiration I wrote down is um, basically when I take, I see something in pop culture that I enjoy, and then I decide mm -hmm. I should make a soap of it, or I okay. should make a stuffed animal of it, or I should make a tiny top hat based on it. <laughs> <laughs> So are there are there really lots of aspects of pop culture that can be adapted into tiny top hat form? I have I made a couple the Raven top hats. I've got a Glass Menagerie inspired top hats. Uh, a couple top hats that were inspired by anime. So, mm -hmm. so oh, I have so a apparently so. I have a Nancy Drew inspired top hat. <laughs> this is clearly a lot more versatile a medium than I initially uh, imagined. You can, yeah, you can basically make a top hat out of. Oh, I have several also um, Alice in Wonderland top hats, which just lends itself that, so yeah. well. Of course, that's just you know a given. So. Well, if you can figure out how to make a Willikins top hat, I would pay money for that. Ooh. Yeah, actually, the reason that I started making soap is that I wanted to make Fight Club soap for my friends for Christmas. R I just. Yes, and you've given me a couple of those, and I love them. I I have them on display. I get that's the thing because you make 
such well-crafted stuff. I don't want to use it when you send it to me. I just want to put it on a shelf. That's why I just had to start making you plain bars of soap, because that's the only way we yeah. use them. Yeah. I, I have, um, and, and this is something you didn't charge for because it's copyrighted, but uh, you made a, a Han Solo and Carbonite soap, which I'm looking at right now. It's it's here in my studio, and I, I just, you made it for me like two years ago, and I still just adore it. And I'm not going to rub that on my body because then it'll waste away and it won't look cool anymore. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's how I even got into soap is just a pop Because culture. cute boys were making soap and you wanted to do it? Eh, I did. And then I found they, there actually are soap molds you can get that say Fight Club. But that didn't uh-huh. work for me because in the movie, the soap soaps don't say <laughs> Fight Club. They're just yeah, that's like that's like the the Halloween costumes that, where you have a plastic smock with a picture of the person you're dressing as. That just that's a little too self-referential. Yes, and it's usually like you've got a Barbie mask, but you've also got the plastic smock that has a picture of Barbie's face on it. Yes, exactly. You're, you're wearing a picture of yourself on yourself. Yeah, that doesn't work. That's just no. That's just lazy. Yeah, also that's a joke that I stole from Homestar Runner in, in <laughs> keeping with my previous. Uh... Yeah, and then so obviously um, one of my favorite aspects of pop culture in our particular group of friends is Galiza. And I've made mm. I've made soap with Galiza on it and mm-hmm. um, then my little Galiza statue out of clay and now the Galiza plush. Which, you know, on, on the one hand, if I were, you know, if, if I didn't adore you as, as I do, you know, there might be uh, legal action involved because that is our property, you know. I didn't think it was yours. I thought it was um, whoever originally invented Galiza. Uh, no, I, what happened was a, 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 a listener wrote us an email and misspelled Godzilla. Yeah, so but it's his from, property. No, from that point, we turned it into our own thing. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, if I see, I'm this not is, selling. This is, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's on your list of inspiration. But typo based, uh, typo based ideas are, are, are quite rich source of uh, of inspiration for me. Gotcha. And also, I like steampunk, and um, I wanted to redo my bathroom. And these were originally completely separate ideas, and mm-hmm. um, I couldn't think of anything good to. I like to have themes in my rooms because I'm a crazy person. Uh, I couldn't think of anything good, and then I hit upon the idea of making a steampunk bathroom. And I'm pretty sure people thought I was kidding when I said it at first. No, I I know you well enough now to know you weren't kidding. (laughs) I think a lot of people thought I was just kidding. And uh, then I did it, so. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd I'd like to, I know you have pictures of that. I wouldn't mind sharing them with our audience in case they haven't seen them yet. Oh, sure. It's more, it's a very girly Victorian nautical sort of steampunk, but, but you know. Yeah, but that's that's you. How how you is that? I mean, that is just completely you. <laughs> it, it is, it is. And that's your house, so it should be. I mean, and and while you you call yourself a crazy person, and I'm I'm not here to judge, wasn't that a a thing at least back then? Maybe maybe pre-Victorian, maybe more like you know colonial, like 1700s ish. I remember being led, like, I'm, I, we're from the same place, like, all those old houses in Maryland where they would show you, like, this is the red room, this is the this room. Like, each room would be done in a very distinctive style. That was that was a thing that people used to do, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not it's not that crazy. There's a tradition there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people do it. But I actually find it really easy to um, do things once there's a theme. Like, that, I mean, mm-hmm. actually, a theme 
um, this is another type of inspiration I have is um, for like when I do a party, if I, as soon as I get the theme, everything else is easy. Like you get the idea um, to um, have a Moulin Rouge party. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me. But so. <laughs> well, of the two of us, that is just you. But I'm sure other people have had the idea. Yeah. So you so you get the idea to do a Moulin Rouge party, and then you you realize you have to have French food or at least faux French food. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to have mini top hats. Faux French food. That's tough. <laughs> yes, mini top hats, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, everyone dresses in corsets. So right. Yeah, that's that's a that's another thing. Once you have a theme, whether it be for a party or a room, everything else is easy. Well, and and it's the same way I would say for for writing for me, and I'm sure for many other people is one. Yeah, once you have a shape, once you have you know. The, the skeleton that something goes on, things really fall into place. A lot of times, uh, and this is the reason I think Matt and I work so well together, is he and I will just kind of throw some ideas back and forth. And usually my role in that is is finding the shape of it, saying, okay, here's the here's the framing device, here's the structure. And then he kind of starts filling it in with, you know, actual funny stuff. So, you know, I, I, think, I think finding that, you know, finding that theme, that frame is definitely a big part of it. So he, you have the bones, and he puts the flesh on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I know you, I, I know you I put have, some flesh on. I have some flesh. Yeah, yeah, and he, he gets a bone occasionally. <laughs> but no, I, it's that that tends to be the way it breaks down. Is you know, I, I tend to see the the, the shape of it, and he he tends to get the details. Um, and and you know, it's it's the same principles. I'm, I, I sometimes I think comparing. The specific things that you do to the specific things I do might be stretching it a little, but I'm, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, and, and I have gotten out of the habit of writing fiction. I, I've written Okay, but creative non-fiction. creativity is creativity. I mean, you you know, yeah. you're, you're making things in your own way now. Yeah, but I think I've, I've, I've said this on Twitter, but I, I feel like I'm misplacing my creativity because I'm just making things and all my friends are making words. And sometimes I feel like yeah, I should and... be making words instead. You know how much more difficult it is to sell words than it is to sell things? Like, you're, from a practical sense, you are doing better. And you're creating a self-perpetuating thing where you sell enough to buy supplies to make more stuff. That's true. But if you write, if you make good words, you can sell them to more than one person. Yeah, but it's much harder. Like, there's no Etsy for selling fiction. There's just the internet. And... We're all writing words and nobody cares. <laughs> well, eventually someone will care about something. I, I look, And that's not even me being cynical. That's not even me being bitter. I think I, you know, I've done pretty well as far as doing stuff I'm happy with and finding an audience. But in general, you are sort of shouting into the darkness. You are. Yeah, Whereas, I mean, there's not a lot of talent agents that are just looking at, you know, podcasts to find the next. Or blogs or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's but it is a, it's a if, huge oversaturated marketplace. Yeah, but you're putting yourself in a in a in a market. It's a niche market, but it's still thriving where you, you know, where you can just sell directly to people and you don't have to worry about that middle part. That's true. You know, which is which is great. And like I say, you I I I've, I've heard you say this before that you're in a sort of self-perpetuating situation now where you started making some money and now you can put more money into the business to make more money and make more stuff more importantly yes that's true I, I i do get to do that my hobbies at this point pay for themselves so 
Right, which is fantastic. Whereas, you know, <laughs> me doing this thing, I have to get out there and beg people for money. And they've been very generous. But, you know, there's really no point at which we we ever pay for ourselves. It's just even selling T-shirts, we were lucky to break even. And even that was a, a chore. That's so. a shame because I, th- I you guys put so much work into it. And, and uh, I wish there was some better way for you to get compensated other than the adulation uh, of all your fans. Uh, well, listeners, I, I don't like fans because that means, you know, I don't know. That's a whole other weird thing I don't want to get into. Like, you could say your soap, your soap has fans. That Doesn't that feel a little like, you know, your soap has, a, you know, people who buy it and appreciate it, but fans is going a little far. I don't know. People really seem to like my soap. It's the crack I put in. <laughs> well, I mean, I like your soap, too, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think fan puts it in a weird different context is all. I know. People like it on Facebook. Well that, that... people like anything on Facebook. That's it's, not well, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Let's give yourself more credit it. than that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, and all the other other thing I was gonna tell you about, um, as far as the party mm-hmm. party inspiration goes, is we did a science uh-huh. fiction themed ha- Halloween party. And it was brilliant. just a broad science science fiction such a huge it thing, was, like but how... we wanted everyone to be able to dress as their favorite sort of uh, I see. project. Yes, it was very broad. Okay. So we made like cookies that were shaped like alien heads. Um, mm-hmm. I tried aliens to... from aliens. No, just green, regular green, little like like grays. You know, real like... life aliens. Yeah, yeah, real alien. Um, okay. And I made their eyes yellow out of candy. It was really cool. You didn't use candy corn, did you? No, no, no. I used the lollipops. Okay, I good. Um, okay, good. And I made a Star Trek. I made. I tried to make a Star Trek panel, like a thing that had blinking lights on it, like old uh-huh. school Star Trek. So I took a cardboard box and I covered it in <laughs> in silver and black poster board, and I got some LED Christmas lights and poked holes in it and put the lights in. Uh-huh. And I took my iPod and got downloaded the the like you know blinky sort of yep. beepy yep, the sound effects yes, yep and played that on a loop and that was nice like that one you of just my described favorite. the you just described the horrible uh film that i made in high school <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what we did except we didn't have ipods because i'm old well yeah but yeah that was one of my favorite things i made and it lasted for one party i don't think that i ever saw any pictures of that that i can recall um when was that there are some pictures somewhere i'll dig some out for you Okay. That was the party I dressed as Pearl Forrester. Ah, very nice. <laughs> we, might, we might not have been uh, we might not have been pals yet then. I like, don't know. I, don't think I think so. that picture was like pre, you know, sarcastic voyage and all that. Yeah, so that's yeah. cool. It was very fun. So anyway, so once you have your theme, whether it be a party or room or I story, then then it's the rest to me is easy. It's just getting yeah. Once you have a theme for something like that. NCC. Well, yeah, once, like I say, once you have the shape, then you kind of know, okay, there, there's a round, pe- you know, round hole that a round peg goes in. There's a square hole that a square peg goes in. I mean, you know, you kind of know what th- kind of things need to go where. Yes, exactly. Um, and then sometimes I get ideas when people ask me to make something and I think they're specific. I think, and, and either, and either I think I can do it better or I can think that I can do it differently, and mm-hmm. so I get ideas that way. Um, now, let me now as a, as a business person, you you tend to you know when people ask you to do something, you you do it so you can make money. But 
do you find yourself like disagreeing with their creative impulse sometimes? Like, no, this, why would you do, oh, that doesn't go with that or whatever. I, I find myself thinking that, but I don't often say it. No, I, and you shouldn't. I think I no. think it's good business practice. Just, you know, shut up and do what you're told and take their money. But <laughs> Exactly. I do it the way they but, want it, and then I do it the way I want it and sell it to someone else. Right. But uh, that that's kind of my question is I'm not, you know, that's something I, I can't really relate to with what I'm doing right now is you, do, you don't just say, no, I won't do that because I have principles or whatever. You say, okay, the customer is always right. Pretty much. Um, I, I, I try to do it. I try to make us both happy in general. Right. Because, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a point, and I'm really not trying to steer you into a corner here. It feels no. like I am, but I'm really not. Where, you, you know, you have integrity or whatever, and you say, I don't want to put my name on something that's, that's hideous. Well, I do actually say no to a lot of custom, possible custom okay. business. Because um, either I don't feel that I can do the amount that person wants. Like, one person wanted me to make 300 pirate soaps. And uh -huh. I have a day job, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> I make right. three soaps at a time, and uh, wow, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and if I were to make, even if I were to do pirate soaps all day, I would probably have like, I think, eighteen would be the most I could do in one day. And mm -hmm. also, I don't want to just make pirate soaps. Well, no. Once it becomes tedious and and unpleasant then what's the point yeah exactly so i turn down i turn down large orders if i don't think i can do them i've turned mm -hmm. down people are like can you make me a pair of horns that looks like this and it'll be like a giant pair of horns that cover up the half of your head and i have to say no because there's no way i could make them that large and still be wearable with the materials i use or people right. will say can you make a soap that looks like x and i have to say no which um always makes me sad <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I can I can appreciate that, but on the other hand, you know, last time you sent me a block of soap the size of my head, <laughs> and said, "Here, you cut this up," because I didn't want to wrap all the soaps individually. It was yeah, I lazy. know. No, and it's 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 totally fine. I mean, we're you know, I think we're to the point in our personal and professional relationship where that you know I don't care, but. I do find it funny that you're you're talking about all this craft and the, what what things should be shaped like or whatever. And I'm like, ah, but for Al, fucking lump of soap. Here, take it. Shut up. Exactly. Because I know you don't care what it looks like. No, I care what it smells like, and it smells awesome. So <laughs> that's the important thing. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, but that's again knowing your customer. Like, right. I I I. You're you're one of the very few people I would say. Is it okay if I send you a giant loaf of soap? <laughs> right. No, because, I mean, I, you know, I'm a very practical person. Like, there are certain aesthetic things that I like. If you're making, you know, if you were making the Han Solo thing and you're like, I'm going to cut corners on this. No, I, you know, it, the whole point is how it looks. Exactly. But when we're dealing on purely practical terms, yes, cut corners. That's fine. Or make me cut the corners, as it were. <laughs> I asked another person if uh, they would mind if I just sent them a giant loaf of soap. But apparently that other person was so lazy that they didn't want to cut it themselves. <laughs> Do I know this person? Because I want to go clobber them over the head with my <laughs> loaf of soap just to teach them a lesson. I think you may know this person. Okay. Um, so what other what other kinds of inspiration do you um, have on your, on oh, your handy little outline there? Yeah, uh, craft supply inspiration, which is specifically when you make things by hand. Um, a lot of times, you spend a lot of time, um, time either at a craft store or shopping online for specialty items. And sometimes you'll just see a 
a, a component and you'll say, okay, I need to buy that and then I'm going to make X with it. Um, right. Which is nice. Like with soap molds, there's all these different soap molds you can get. You can get, you know, mm -hmm. soap molds that look like ice cream cones and you say, oh, well, I definitely need that so I can make ice cream soap. <laughs> And then when you, when, but then you, then of course I get more specialized because I don't just make, I, I don't make like just ice cream. I'm like, okay, well I'm going to make pistachio ice cream and I cut up little pieces of brown <laughs> stuff. So it looks like pistachios right. um, and that sort of thing. Or you make strawberry ice cream and you cut up strawberry, pieces of strawberry soap. Right. Um, yeah. No, and, and I, um, I mean, there, there's. That is that is sort of unique to handcrafting, I imagine. But there's a similar principle, I think, in in what I've done, which is, you know, we're doing sketches a lot now, and I'll have a, a certain sound effect that I think is really interesting sounding, or um, one of the guys doing voices for us will say, "I can do this celebrity," or "I can do this funny voice," and we kind of write around that, like using the materials you have and making something interesting, sort of based on that spark, is I think you know something I could definitely relate to. Oh, yeah, you're just using, you, this is a component you have, and you can put it together with other things and make Yeah, it what can I build with this? Here's, someone handed me a fistful of Legos, what can I make out of it? Exactly, exactly. Um, so, and that's fun. And it's, what's really fun that I find is if I'm going through my craft supplies and I look at something I already have, and mm -hmm. because of something that happened or maybe my brain just started working properly that day, I'll go, oh my god, I could have been making X with, I could have been making, you know, something really cool with this the whole time. But it's just been, right. you know, in the back of my closet. Which is really fun. Yeah, that is, that is fun. Um, and again, the, the principles are similar. I've, I've looked at stuff that we've been doing forever that I'm kind of sick of, and I just walk away from it for a while, and I come back and say, oh yeah, we could be doing this. And it, it doesn't really change anything. It's just a slightly different angle that makes, you know, makes it interesting again. Exactly. Sometimes you just have to put it away and then come back to it. Yeah. That's why Nick and Willikins goes away for a while, because it's like, I feel like, oh, God, why are we still doing this? And then Matt and I will come up with some funny, stupid British voice. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why, because I'm laughing. I love Nick and Willikins. I'm so glad. Because I'm, I'm, right now I'm at a point where I'm kind of sick of it again, but I'm sure it'll come around. <laughs> You know the the whole. Let me pull back the curtain and reveal the joke to the no per, no people who don't get the joke, which is you know it's it's us making jokes about England, and I keep feeling like I'm running out of things to say. And then you know I'll do something like hand it to Irish Gav, and you know him writing American an American voiced thing about England when when he himself lives in England was just meta enough for me to say okay, there's still some life in this. I think it's brilliant. I'm sorry. I love it. I, and I and I know not everyone loves Nick and Willikins, but I I really enjoy it. Um, well, that's the thing about the way the way our show works now is we, there's a lot of different stuff, and not everyone's going to like everything. That's totally fine. And uh, I know there are people who don't care for these in between bits, and I know there are people who don't care about the sketches and only listen to these in between bits. So you know that's that's why we offer a wide variety of stuff. I mean, it's probably, you know, to bring it back to you, it's probably the same reason you don't just make bars of soap. You want to offer, you know, one, it's fun to make different things, but two, you want to appeal to, to more people. I do. And I've actually started, I, I, I generally make pretty soaps and soaps that I think are interesting or look like food, but I've also started <laughs> listing some more plain bars because I feel like people won't buy it for themselves if it's, 
you know. Well, it's like fancy. I was saying before. Yeah, I yeah. I have all the novelty soaps you have made. I haven't used because I don't want to. Yeah. And I th- there was one you sent me. I think it was one of your uh, the the like, shaped like a bunny, and <laughs> it, I tried to use it, and it was like pointy. Like this isn't comfortable for me to wash myself with. <laughs> So you're one of those people that rub soap directly on themselves. Isn't that how you use soap? No. You put soap on your washcloth or your... Oh, you're one of those weird washcloth people. Yes. Well, actually, I have these great soap sacks. You just put the soap inside the thing, and then you never have to actually Uh, touch the soap. It's just... It makes uh, really great bubbles. But yeah. So, okay. So you rub soap directly on yourself. Yes, and I'm certainly not alone in this. I, no, no, know, no, no, no. I don't think you are. But I, I didn't know which that. type you were. There's like two types of people in the world. The, the ones that yeah. Well, and then soap. there's people who don't bathe, but that's you know. Well, you know, when you're when you're busy being creative, sometimes you just don't have time to bathe. <laughs> yeah. See, that's something I don't have to put on a list. <laughs> <laughs> bathe. That's just it's there. It's you know. Although I will say. I have gotten so wrapped up in, in various projects over the years that I do have to remind myself to eat and to the point of setting an alarm to say, okay, whatever you're doing, you have to now get up and put some food in your head because you're going to die otherwise. See, I don't forget to eat. My husband does that when he's in, when he's projecting and he forgets to eat. But, uh, but I will put off just minor like things that you would think you don't have to remind people to do, like bathe. Mm. <laughs> and then I get up no, the next I... morning and I'm like, why do I feel so gross? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, if you're home all weekend and you didn't bathe Saturday, you should. But, you know, <laughs> well, I was busy, you know. But I was covered in soap. Yeah. I mean, it, that's clean, right? Yeah. And your your exactly. kitchen must be immaculate. Yeah, you'd think that. No, I wouldn't because you told me otherwise. But... <laughs> Making soap is not as clean as, as people think it is. Well, no, you're sending out the clean bits, so there must be lots and lots of dirty things that you're taking out and leaving behind that we don't get. Yeah. Well, really, the, or the, something. the worst know. part is that I make soap using the microwave, and my husband thinks... Uh-huh. My husband sometimes complains that his food tastes like soap. Well, that is a valid complaint. Yes, I think he's making it up. I think it's just psychosomatic. Okay. Uh, well, you know, regardless, even if it is, it's still happening. Exactly. But anyway, so. Even if it's real in his head, it's still happening. So, you, you know, you should, you should buy your own microwave. I, I actually have one. We just don't have room to put it anywhere right now. Ah, I see. Yeah. We, I mean, we need a bigger house so I can, because right now I have all of my craft stuff is in one room and part of the kitchen. Um, and really mm-hmm. I just need like a second kitchen. <laughs> really what you need is a studio like a you know Ooh. like a soap a soap wing Ooh, i like that idea with like a you know take something like an art studio with like one of those big kilns and all that and just like convert it to a soap studio that's that's fabulous yes I... well i say that because right now i'm sitting in the second bedroom of our very tiny house which my wife has very graciously said i can use as a recording studio and so i'm like well other people should be selfish like that too <laughs> Well, my husband has the whole basement for his stuff, and then I just have the second mm-hmm. bedroom. So it, it worked out. There, there was... Yeah, no, see, that's that's fair. My my wife doesn't get anything extra out of this deal. I get everything, and she gets nothing. So, I don't know if you know. she kind of gets you to call her gracious a lot. Well, there is that. Okay. So she just gets something. I don't know if it's equal, yeah. but there's something. Um, well, 
That, that'll be for the inevitable attorneys to decide much later. <laughs> I just remembered something else. Somebody asked me. Yes. I, I decided once I was going to make some Twin Peaks soaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had like three ideas right away that I knew I was going to do. And someone else on Twitter suggested a fourth type of soap. And so I did it. So that's I not really I threw, inspiration, I I but I inspired somebody else. Yeah, you crowdsourced. That's yeah. what they call it now, right? I guess so. I don't know. I inspired someone else to have an idea. And then I stole <laughs> No, I mean, that, and that's collaborating. That's Seriously, that's what that is. I had the idea, now someone helped me get it going. That's that's collaborating. That's, you know, we do that constantly, and I love it, because I'll have, like, like I say, I'll have the idea of a shape of something, mm-hmm. and then I'll talk to, to Matt, I'll talk to Gav, I'll talk to uh, uh, Brian Lynch has been doing some stuff for us, a few other people. And I was like, this is where I'm going. I can't, I'm not really there yet. And then they'll kind of give me something that pushes it a little further. Like that's, I love that. I love that process. I, that's why I love Twitter so much. Because if you're stuck on something or you just need a little idea or you're wondering where to get a specific thing, you just yell, hey, internet, what, what do I do? And the internet, internet, what now? The internet will tell you what to do. Or at least it will offer you many options. Uh, many of them snarky and useless, but occasionally, you know. You have to expect that. It is the internet. I'm, but I'm sure you've seen this, too, following certain celebrities who don't quite get Twitter yet, or they're just starting, or whatever. And they ask for help, and a million people make jokes, and then they get angry. Like, well, what did you expect? This is what we're for. <laughs> yes, the guy who um, wrote who wrote, who wrote uh, IT Crowd had a computer problem uh-huh. once and he asked for help and he got like oh, 500 Lord. people telling him to, you know, turn restart it off his and computer. On. Yes, turn yeah, it off and of on. Of course. Yes. And and he really should have expected that. Yeah, well, obviously. And, you know, I, I see this, um, right now I see it with Paul F. Tompkins, but I've seen it with other comedians as well, where like suddenly it's serious time for them. <laughs> but the audience doesn't really follow that. Like, no, you're, you're here to be funny. I'm trying to be funny with you. Like, why... Why is it serious time now? And they get mad. Like, well, what did you expect? Yes, but see, it's a little weird with celebrities on Twitter because people are constantly trying to impress them with how witty they are. And they're just random dudes on the internet. Um, not yep. you, Algar, because you do it well. I, apparently. Yes, because they actually retweet <laughs> no, you and respond to you. I don't think I, I have any higher reply rate than most people but uh, you're wrong. i just make a big deal out of it when it happens no no, but anyway. no you're definitely you're definitely wrong um okay. on that but yeah so i mean the internet is is good for a lot of things and um but it's but you also have to expect to get some useless or just plain mean responses <laughs> Uh, that's, you know, when you put all of humanity together without any kind of regard for, you know, for consequence, because you're hiding behind the anonymity of a computer, you can, you know, that's what you're getting. You're getting people's raw thoughts, basically. Yeah. Well, okay, and the other kind of inspiration I have on this list, and I don't really get this kind of inspiration, but I've heard it happens, is when people <laughs> just get, um, just a fully formed idea pops into their head, just independent right. of anything. And that's, Terry Pratchett had a whole bit about that, where inspiration travels in, like, particles that travel through the universe and eventually strike a person and just fully formed ideas, you know, happen. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that's ever happened with me either. Most of my bigger stuff, 
happens over tedious, long years of pondering and thinking and retooling. And, you know, like, I don't think I've ever had anything that just comes out, you know, finished. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, there's so much that influences me that I'm aware that it influences me. That when I get an idea, it's not, it's just, it's not independent. It's definitely precluded on other things, like Twin Peaks. So right. I'm, that's obviously based on Twin Peaks, and I made some... Well, yeah, you're a fan of Twin Peaks, and you make soap, so these two things go together. Exactly, and that's a lot of the stuff that I do. Um, yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. It's, um, I, I, I think a lot of people that don't really get a lot done are... are waiting for that they're they're sitting around waiting for that perfect idea to come to them and i just don't think it's going to it doesn't usually work like that sometimes i'm not denying that it might happen for some people but you can't just sit around waiting for it you have to you know do something yeah exactly and you know if you if it helps you to think you're practicing for that perfect idea you can think of it that way but mm -hmm. in general i just make lots of little things i don't make one big i i don't have a life's work I have right. things I make that that make me happy that I enjoy doing. Um, and if I stop enjoying and doing them, then I stop doing them. <laughs> my my life's work is a, a huge list of things that I want to do before I die. And that's, you know, that's sort of the, the large version of list anxiety. But I, you know, I want to make this. I want to make that. And this is a whole list. And I'm, I'm doing pretty okay so far. And that's, you know. That's good. But I couldn't stay on one thing because, yeah, like you say, that's that would be crazy. A lot of people do it. A lot of people yeah, say, I'm going to do, like, this sculpture is my life's work, or this piece of music is my life's work. But And see, the problem with that is the way pop culture works now. If you do get an audience, and you stop doing one thing and you move on to something else, they get mad at you. They're like, well, why, why aren't you still doing this? I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing this. Well, why? I like this. Well, then you have to move anymore. to a small town and never talk to anyone ever again. Right. Because but I mean, fans, I, I'm saying like on the internet. Well, yeah, but see, the thing is, I, what I do, I like because if I get an idea, I can, even if I have to buy supplies for it, I can get it knocked out in mm -hmm. a week and a half. It's very nice. Right. Whereas if right. you have, you know, these huge, big ideas, how long does it take you to do them? So, you know, if you do have a big, huge idea, I guess you have to break it up into chunks where you can actually do some of it because it would be so yeah, intimidating. But some to some do people it. are patient for that long game and some people aren't. And, you know, I get the feeling you're a lot like me, which is you like doing things in small, digestible chunks and not in, you know, long things that take forever. I prefer a small thing that's like as close to perfect as possible than one big thing right. that you can't really control how it turns out. And see, I tend to gravitate toward somewhere in between there, which is a large project divided into small things that start out okay and get better and better as they go. That makes sense. Like, that's the original discussion I had with Bob, was I just jump in and go and figure it out along the way. And that's why I'm so sort of ashamed of the early Sarcastic Voyages we did, because that's exactly what I did. I jumped in and I started. And now I think we're doing good work, but, oh, God, I can't. Like, we're trying to put together a best of for Emerald City, and I don't want to listen to those early shows because they make me blush. They make me cringe. They're terrible. I totally understand. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not. you know, some people think, oh, well, you're just, it's false modesty. You're fishing for compliments. No. it's I'm only ever happy with about the last 10% of what I've done ever. Really? And That's... Yes. Hmm. I... Maybe, maybe 15, 20%, but it's somewhere, you know, some small percentage of, 
the most recent stuff is usually what I'm happiest with. And that's as long as that continues, I think that's good. See, I think it's a little different with the craft because there is a learning curve and you can get there's 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 only a certain level you can really reach. And so for me, like the first fifteen percent of stuff I did I did is embarrassing and I look at it and go, Oh my mm-hmm. god, why did I do that? But everything mm-hmm. after that has turned out pretty well because again, it's more of a craft. It's not uh, it's but not... on on the other hand, we are talking about inspiration and I think while you can now make the perfect block of rectangular soap <laughs> you are also you you're not doing that so much because you 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 can now use those principles to make more elaborate and more inspired and more creative things and every time every time you surprise me with a box or show a picture of something you made or whatever and you're doing this all the time by the way i just got a, received a box from you in the mail yesterday which you, you very kindly provided me with some uh, address labels, and I thought that's that's what you're sending me. And uh, nope, all kinds of other goodies too. And <laughs> every time uh, Amanda and I look at each other and say, "She's just so fucking crafty, Jesus!" Like you just you you just make it. You just create something that wasn't there before, and it's I, I, even if the level you think the level of quality is the same, the level of I don't know inspiration is the right word, but the level of you know. You're doing something new and different, and I think, you know, if I were you, I'd be happier with what I'm doing now because it's a little more, you know, there's a little more to it than just doing what you read in a book. Yeah, I, I'm definitely happier with the stuff I made now, and and but but again, I just don't I don't think the, uh, I don't think the. Well, I think your hurt. skill levels probably t- no, I think your skill levels probably top out at some point. Yeah. But then absolutely. that's when creativity comes into it, and you start using those skills to do more and more elaborate things. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I don't do a lot of research. Okay, depending on the project, I don't do that much. Well, presumably, especially with soap, which is which is chemical alchemy, I assume you did, you know, you, you read to see how it was done. Oh, I, no, no, no. The, <laughs> I watched YouTube videos. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> but you did the 21st century equivalent. Yes, I did. I d- instead of going, what I used to do when I was younger and... Um, it was the only way to do it is I would go to the library, I would get out a book, I would read the book on how right. to do something, and then I would try and figure out how to do it. Or you right. actually have to get a person to teach you how to do something. I'd see that's my preferred method. I can, you know, it never really works out, but I much prefer having someone I can ask questions. Yeah. But, I mean, YouTube videos are great because they show you the process, and if the person mm-hmm. who made the video is still active on YouTube, you can say, okay, well... I see step number five, but I don't exactly see how you got to step number six, and they mm-hmm. can explain it to you. Um, That's cool. The problem with YouTube is people put videos up and then abandon them, basically. <laughs> yeah. So you can't ask the I, person a question. I, I don't know that I've learned any specific process from YouTube videos. I had I did learn how to tie a tie from YouTube, so Ooh. I'm infinitely grateful to them for that. Yeah, I learned soap making. Um, I was... I watched a couple of episodes of uh, a craft thing about making um, stuffed animals when I before I started mm-hmm. making Goliza because I've I'd never made a stuffed animal before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it, it's it's really a good resource to have. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 the extent of research that I do, <laughs> and then I just do it. I'm gonna get all my materials together. Th- that's the most fun part. 
for when you're doing well, yeah, your and craft. That, is... it's, it seems like we're, we're on the same page there, which is, yeah, okay, I need, I need some basic information, but then I want to get my hands in this. I want to be doing it, not, I don't want to be learning about it for an hour. I want to do it. Exactly. You're, you're, it's that impatience again. Using your what what some would perceive as character flaws to your advantage. You're using that impatience to motivate you. Well, I got the idea for doing the Galiza plush, and I then I, um, I had I was commuting home with my husband that day, so I said, um, "Can we stop at the um, craft store tonight?" <laughs> and he said yes, which was very nice of him. And I bought the <laughs> and I bought the materials and I started making it as soon as I got home. And it, t- it took me two days to finish it. And I really that... wanted it to be a surprise. I was going to just mail it to you, but <laughs> I couldn't. Well, see, and I don't think our audience knows that that this had anything to do with me. So I do appreciate that. Yeah. Um, there, and there's a there's a sinister purpose involved with this, uh, which I, I haven't yet revealed. But uh, he will be put to good use. He's not just going on a shelf. Okay, but. Um... Yeah. Anyway, I I was I I couldn't bear to not show him off. He turned out of course. pretty well for the first stuffed animal I've ever made. Well, and I I think you know if you made more, people would want to buy them. I but that then we run into licensing issues. Um, you know what? If I get the first one, you can sell as many as you like. Okay, I'm actually thinking. And I don't I don't I don't demand a penny if you give me the first one. That's that's my payment. Well, I'm gonna make actually another one and uh see which one turns out better and you get the better one okay I, i'll take the first experimental one i don't care the whole point about galissa is he's kind of fucked up to begin with so yeah you know, I mean, that's the problem is i think if I you made, made one eye bigger than the other or if you made you know something like that that's that's kind of in character to me i'm he's a little too symmetrical yeah, yeah. no i get the feeling he you know like when when Galiza was well, I guess he came out of an egg. But I was thinking when he was born, there was kind of a Play-Doh Fun Factory thing going on, and kind of got <laughs> squeezed, and you know, it's just the shell of his egg was a little softer than the, that of his brother's. So he got squished a little. Yeah, bit. that must be it. Yeah. Also, I'm, I, we still keep using the the uh, the pronoun he, and I keep wanting to reveal that Galiza's a she, and there's going to be eggs at some point, but uh, yeah. hasn't happened yet. That just reminds me of Matthew Broderick and that horrible movie. So I'm just going to ignore that. Well, I think we all ignored that, and I'm surprised you even remember it, because I, I thought when you ignore things, they just went away. It, they, it bubbled up. Well, well, I'm sorry. Okay. You reminded me of that movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm terribly sorry. <sighs> I, I did want to go back to something that you were saying. Um, this is something I get a lot of crap for, and I think this is as good a place as any to discuss this. Uh, fun. You're having fun. You're doing this because it's fun. I don't, I, I've given this theory serious thought because people enjoy saying that I, I, I hate fun, that I don't enjoy, I don't have fun, I don't appear to be enjoying it, I just do it. And I've given this some thought and, you know, sometimes that feels right. Sometimes it feels like I've put this task in front of me and I'm doing it because it needs to be done and I don't, fun doesn't even enter into it for me sometimes. And I, I worry that, I don't know, that I'm doing this thing because I feel like I should be and not because it's fun. You know? Yes, I definitely get that. I I sell a lot of sushi soap, and sushi soap mm-hmm. is the hardest thing that I make, and it is mm-hmm. the most time consuming, and it is at this point sort of an assembly line process, and right. it is so boring to me. Um, but it's, it's not even the boring part to me. It's, well, it's but it's an obligation. Know. It's like okay, if I want to make money, yeah. I have to make this. 
Right. And, and for me, if fun. I want if I want to deliver a weekly show, I have to do something every week. And while that keeps me busy and it keeps me working, it does always sometimes come off like I'm doing this because I have to, because it's my job and not because I'm enjoying it. And the thing is, I do enjoy it, but I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's hard to really put this into words, and I maybe should have thought this out before I brought it up, but... Well, I would think... I, I, this is something I've been toying at in my head for a long time, and I just, I don't know. I would think that at this point, you sort of have a checklist of like, okay, first we have to do this, then we have to do this, then we have to do this. And the checklist type things are probably less exciting to you than the new ideas you have. Well, I mean, editing is very tedious, for instance. Yeah, oh yeah. Ed, you know, putting together, especially now that we're writing pretty elaborate things with a big cast and lots of sound effects and music and just different elements, it takes a while. But on the other hand, when when it's all finished and it's all done and it's out there and I listen and it still makes me laugh after I've heard it 20 times, it's like, you know what, that's why. It's worth but it at that point, I, yes. But, but if someone said, did you have fun doing it? I, I probably didn't. Not for the entire process, no. You probably had fun at the time you were actually, like... No, the fun part is having something done. I don't know. I I think the fun part is, for me, is when you first see that it's coming together. When you have an idea, that's great, but it's sort of anxiety-producing because you're like, okay, I have this idea. Can I pull it off? And mm. then when you start making it, you, you see, it's still it's, a little I bit... See, I think it's different for me. I think it's different for me. I, I'm, I'm excited... With the idea, especially yeah. with when we're collaborating, because I get to, you know, throw ideas around with someone else and make each other laugh, and that part's fun. And yeah. then the next step is, oh, now I have all this work to do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the most fun part for me is right when I see that it's going to work. Oh, see, I just assume it's going to work. That's just arrogance, <laughs> I guess. I don't. I never assume anything's going to work until I, until I get it to that point where I can see. And then I worry that I'm going to push it too far or try to do something and have it be completely ruined. And that's because I've done that enough times. Um, see, I, for me, I, I, I kid about the arrogance. What it really is, is I, I'm going to see it through. And if it ends up not working, I'll just throw it away. Like, but you're very this prolific. Past week. Well, and that's the thing is making lots of little things and you can relate to this and, you know, on the, on a, on a general sense, yeah. making lots of little things. If one or two of them doesn't turn out, it doesn't matter because you have a huge pile of stuff you made that, and most of it's good. Yes. But then I have like a couple, I have like a couple things, a couple projects that are just sitting around that never, that didn't turn out how I wanted to look at them, how they, how I wanted them to be. And they just, this looks, there's a level of shame involved. Like, like I made this tiny top hat, but really it looks more like something a drag queen would wear than a steampunk chick. Um, okay, we'll find a drag queen and sell it to them. They're those, sh- you know, that's possible. I'm actually thinking of donating it to the Regretsy charity shop. Um, oh, there you go. So there's that, but but yeah, I mean, it's that's not that's not fun for me. The least fun, yeah, part but, of but, creative is but a failed project. Yes, but you and I are similar in that, like, what we do is very different. Our our two, you know, chosen crafts are very different. But the the thing that you and I approach in a similar way, I think, is that we're both experimental. We both we both bore easily, and so we both try new things to keep it interesting and keep it exciting. And the thing about being experimental is sometimes experiments fail. That's the whole point of them. I know, but it's just 
not every experiment is going to turn out to be, oh my God, this is amazing. Sometimes you're going to come up with something awful and you're going to say, Jesus, I'm never doing that again. But then you know, and then you have like a cautionary tale and you could say, okay, well, and you know, there's some horrible things and I'm not going to say what they are because I, you know, I don't want to, but there are some horrible things we've done on the show that I now look back and say, well, <laughs> I'm not doing that again. And now when I'm writing, I say, okay, well, I don't want to do this particular thing again. So I got to be better than that. It's like, um, I, I don't know if you watched South Park or not, but there was a, there was an episode they did. It's like 10 years ago now where the, the, the third act was totally a departure from the rest of it. And the, it, the, it ended up being crab people. Yes. Like the, yes. Whatever was going on ended up being, and it was a, such a weird, just left turn into nowhere. And in the commentary, they said, yeah, we didn't know how to end this. So it was just crab people. And the, the feeling in the writer's room was, uh, I think we could do better than crab people and we couldn't. Um, and, but I, I see them doing the same thing where it's like, well, we're not doing crab people again. We got to come up with a good idea this time. That makes sense. It's just, and so you always have to have that, that, okay, I'm capable of coming up with some terrible things. Let's not do that again. Uh, see, I, I only attempt to do things that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be good at anyway. So when I, when I, uh, when I have a failure, it is, it, it, it is more of a, um, do I even really want to continue to do this sort of idea? Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm too sensitive to actually sell things online because when I don't sell something that I think is awesome, I get upset. And if people don't like my stuff and leave glowing feedback, I, you know, worry a little. Yeah. But <laughs> so it's, it's. Well, b believe me, I understand that. Oh, yeah. All too well. But you don't seem to have that same issue that I do. I mean, you obviously. Oh, yeah. You obviously, you know. <sighs> Take feedback. Listen, um, listen. Friday morning used to be like Christmas every week for me, except I liked it. I don't actually <laughs> like Christmas, so that's a bad example. But no, every Friday morning it used to be like I'd jump on and people would be listening to the show and they'd be saying what they liked and I was so happy. And that doesn't happen anymore. And it fucking kills me, to be honest. But, Aww. you know, I, I keep going because I know people are listening. I know people are enjoying. They're just not as vocal about it anymore. They're not going to be that level of excitement forever i i get that and i can i can appreciate that on an intellectual level but my feelings are still hurt that's just that, i think that's anyone who makes things that they're proud of that's just how it is yes but it's like blogs now um no one replies no one posts replies on blog posts i mean no. you if, if you get one that's amazing because there's so much yep. out there for people to read and at, at this point i don't think there's even a culture of I should respond to this person because they made something for me to read. It's just that person made something for me to read. See, and I have always tried, this is like a weird creative karma thing. When I see something that someone has made that really speaks to me or really makes me laugh or really makes me think, I try to go out of my way to tell them that. But I know not everyone thinks that way. And we're in such a disposable culture. It's like, okay, that's how I killed 30 seconds. Now what? You know? Exactly. So I don't think that's your you know, podcasts particularly, I think it's... Oh, no, 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 not at all. But any more than any more than someone buying something at your Etsy store and not giving you a glowing review. They <laughs> might have loved it. They might just not have clicked the button. Like, that's exactly. that's what I'm saying. We're, I think we're all in that same boat. I'm not saying there's anything different about me. No, I, you seem to handle it better than I, I do. Uh, no. <laughs> you, I, just, I just don't... I just don't communicate it publicly, ah. is all. <laughs> but trust me, no. <laughs> But. I am the moodiest person on the face of the earth, and all I have done is try to learn to keep that to myself and not put it out there for everyone to see. Because, you know, that's that's where you start losing people. 
when yeah. they see that you're going to throw a temper tantrum for not liking something you do, then, you know, they're just going to start ignoring you. What's the point, you know? <laughs> exactly. It's a... Uh... But, but this does feed back to what I was saying earlier, that we're all creative people in a way pretty moody, you know? I mean, that's just... I, th I think we all have that temperament to some extent. We do. I mean, we're not making it solely for ourselves. We're making things... No! And we really want other people to like them as well. And there's always a measure in, in anything, in, in crafting, in performing, in writing, in anything. And your, your most hardcore artists will say this isn't true, but they're lying. There's always a measure of look at me. Yes. Look at me, look what I'm doing, like what I'm doing. Exactly. Or at least react to what I'm doing. Yeah, give me something. Give me, I need some, yeah. I need feedback. Give me something. Yes. And the internet has made that so much easier, but it's still, you know... It's made it easier, but it's also made it sort of less expected. Yeah. Yeah, because like you say, we're just one voice among, you know, millions. Yeah. Everybody's shouting, hey, look over here. Um, yep. And we don't have time to stop and look at everyone around right. And my, my, my whole philosophy all along has been, if I'm going to yell, hey, look over here, there better be something for someone to look at. <laughs> yes. I feel bad on Twitter sometimes if I don't have, because when I, when I'm, I post a lot and then I try to respond to people, but I only respond to people if I have something that I think is either interesting or constructive or funny to say. If if I don't right. have anything to say, I don't post You're just anything. Talking. Right. But I feel bad that I'm not like sort of part of the conversation. But as a as a person, I don't know. See, this is a weird line that I don't know that our culture has anymore, but but us being you and I are the same age, and we sort of are on the cusp of we remember what it was like before the internet and we, after. Like, we're kind of, you know, on that line. We, we remember it happening. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, people younger than us are, don't know a world without the internet, and people older than us haven't really adapted to it, but we're kind of in that unique little spot there. Exactly. I, I think there's a – there's a, the, way, the way you represent yourself in public, the way you – put yourself out there on Twitter, on the internet, whatever, is not necessarily exactly the same person that you really are. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's like in the, in, in before the internet, a celebrity would go on a talk show and they would say prepared things or they would stay within a certain range. You know what I mean? Like there'd be a character there almost. Yes. And while, while that's maybe a little fake or whatever, and while I appreciate that things are more honest and open or whatever, there is a point where that openness and honesty is like, so what? I don't need to know what you're having for breakfast. I don't need to know. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I think there should still be some measure of self-censoring and, and controlling what people are seeing of you. Yes. And, and your internet personality at its best should be like the best you possibly can be you you have you have time to think before you post yes anything. you can self-edit exactly but the but the problem is it seems like most people don't do that at all well and i can't say that i always do that's what i try to do but i have days no, where but, I, I mean say what i'm actually thinking and they're like oh shit i should have kept that to myself <laughs> no but see you don't you're not trying to be malicious on purpose or you're not um presenting no that makes it worse idiot. um it's just yeah, you, you, there's no excuse for you to come off like an asshole on the internet unless you want to become, unless you want people to think you're an asshole. Uh, or if you're if you're cultivating like a, a character, let's say, I, there's got to be a better word for that, but a persona, a uh, persona, you know, like yes. this is me in public versus this is me in private, and 
I try to be as as straightforward as I can, and I try to be the same person. But there is a measure of self censor. There is a measure of you know, I don't want everyone to see my moodiness and my whatever all the terrible things that I think. And so you know, I try not to do that. And, yeah. You know, like I say, when 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 you say that I I don't seem to be moody about people reacting to my stuff, it's because I don't want people to know that. So you 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 are still a moody temperamental artist, but you but you try not to. Um, I do everything I can to put forth that I am a either, you know, jovial or at, you know, more realistically, totally dispassionate, you know, person. But but really, you're you're like wandering around your dark house with candlelight and a lacy shirt. Uh, well, I what I am is I'm I'm in the corner in a fetal position, weeping quietly into my uh, moleskin journal. Aww. Yeah, I'm not doing those things. <laughs> but you were painting such a good picture, and I wanted to just touch it up there. So okay. Um, but any anyway, we're all like that. Is my point? We yes. just don't need to show everyone that. My my uh, my my uh, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. But so uh, if if I, if I had to give anyone anybody an advice any advice into being inspired, I would say um, watch a lot of TV. <laughs> Uh, some people would use that as an excuse not to do anything, ah. but, but yeah, no, I, I, I actually, I think we're on the same page there as well. I think this is one of the things, um, uh, the, the comic book writer, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, said this at a, at a con that I went to one time. He had like a seminar on writing or whatever, a panel, I guess you call it. And, um, he was saying, whatever genre you're working in, study a different one. Like if you're writing comics, don't just read comics. You should read comics, but if you're, if you're going to be borrowing and learning, go to something else. So that way you're not just doing what everyone else is doing. And I kind of like, that kind of makes sense to me. Like I, that's why I don't listen to a lot of podcasts and I've made a joke of that. I do listen to some, but I, what I do is I try to expose myself to a wider range of comedy and that ends up being a lot of television, which I think, you know, makes me want to write audio stuff. And it's, so it's different enough that I don't feel like I'm ripping it off exactly. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, Absolutely. It's just, and so watching a lot of TV does help. Well, just watching a lot of TV inspires me. And also, um, while I'm making soap, I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> Wait, but you seem to put on stuff that's kind of like you don't have to pay full attention to. Like, I know you're making your way through the 10,000 episodes of Dark Shadows, uh, uh, which was... hardly seems like a show that you need to be riveted to and pay attention to every tiny detail of. No, it's really not. But it's kind of amazing to me that I haven't made any Dark Shadows soap yet. Yeah, me too, actually. I, I assume you're waiting for that wave of popularity that's going to come from the Tim Burton movie. We do not discuss the Tim Burton movie. Oh, it's not out yet. Yeah, you I can't know. hate it until it exists. I totally can. <laughs> if you start calling it fake Dark Shadows, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm still going to go see it, like, opening night, so. Of course you are, and you're going to hate it, and then you can openly hate it, because, I you might know, not hate it. You'll... It's just Tim Burton doesn't... Oh, you're going to hate it. I, I probably will, but I, I will give it a shot. You don't seem, I mean, this is, this is me, you know, observing you. You don't mm -hmm. seem to care for, um, adaptations of things. I don't a lot of the time because I kind of think that there's, I get really mad, especially when they do, uh, American versions of foreign films mm -hmm. and, or when they update, when they update, you know, older properties because just right. go back and watch the originals. It's not, it's not that difficult. 
you know, read some. Well, yeah, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's ever been a remake like that that has improved on the original. And I'm sure someone will come up with one, but for the most part, yeah. I think the the trend is it might make a couple of bucks, but then everyone forgets about it. Exactly. So it just it it does make me mad. If you do it, you can you can do remakes well, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but 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 you generally they generally suck. Yeah. I mean, it's like five. I, I also think of them probably yeah that's being generous i also think that specifically with this tim burton's maybe not the best like i don't he's the best choice for that because you know that's totally his sports reference but i don't think that um i don't know i think everything he's done that's an adaptation of something else just kind of falls flat for me like his planet of the apes exactly his um what willy wonka yeah see when he he adapts other people's material it doesn't turn out well yeah, but his original stuff has been fantastic. Like, exactly. Beetlejuice is one of the most weird and original movies ever. Yes. And it's still fantastic. And uh, Big Fish, more recently, awesome movie. Yes. And, you know, much more original. Yes. But see, this, anyway, this, we're, this, we're reminds, this makes me think of, like, there's, there, there, are, there are people in Hollywood that, are, that, are think, that think they are inspired because they come up with ideas like, oh, let's re- redo Dark Shadows. Yeah. But then, you know, I don't know. On the one hand, it's easy to be cynical and say, oh, they're remaking everything. But I, I don't know. I just vote with my dollar and don't see those things. Exactly. I don't see the point in complaining about it. I'm not writing any screenplays. So, you know. Yeah, but you're not getting paid if I did, either. Well, that's true. If I did, I would try to write something original or at the very least something better than, I don't know. <laughs> There's a couple of things that were adapted that I wish were adapted better, but that's a whole other thing. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, so is that is that your entire list? I don't want to cut you short. No, nope, that's but, my whole uh, thing. That's 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 uh, that's how I get ideas. I watch a lot of TV and I make a lot of things, and then eventually my brain puts them together. I just um, drink a lot of caffeine and get to work because <laughs> I don't have time to wait for ideas. <laughs> No, I, I definitely appreciate it. This is definitely something we needed to talk about. And I also, as I as I suspected, talking about this sort of led us to other tangentially related subjects that, that are interesting. So I do appreciate you uh, approaching me on this. And uh, unsurprisingly, you were a good person to talk to about this. So there you go. Well, thank you very much. I, I, uh, I did attempt to do this as best I can. Um, well, you came with an outline, so full credit for that. I totally would get a good, really good grade on this outline, I'm telling you. Yeah, you would. But, I mean, you're already the teacher's pet at this point, so, you know. <laughs> I, have made, I have made absolutely no secret of the fact that, you know, I am in the Tidro fan club, so. That's awesome. Thank you. So there's that. Um, and for those of you, for some ridiculous reason, if you've really listened to a hundred and whatever episodes of the show and you're not aware who Tidro is, you are an insane person. But I will certainly provide lots and lots of links in the show notes to all the things that she's talked about that she sells and the, the projects that she's referenced here and so forth. So go buy those things. Thank you. And that is all. We're going to stop talking now. This show is produced by me, Ron Algar Watt, and featured Terry Drozdak. To learn more about Tidro, follow her on Twitter, at T-D-R-O, or check out her Etsy site, bunnybubbles.etsy.com. To learn more about me, go to algar.com, double-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening, and may your coffee never go decaf.